so funny, right? <laughs> so professional today. Uh, well, you I got do. your you got your I, blazer on. <laughs> you're you're writing scripts. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, um, all I can do is try. Really. <laughs> there friends uh you're you listening to same team y'all this is a fortnightly podcast where two librarian best friends chat about what fills their hearts with love and their heads with wisdom my name's eric my name is tess and we believe that regardless of the differences in our opinions background or culture all human beings are fundamentally on the same team and deserve to be treated with kindness and respect welcome to the zone of no judging no judgment zone of no judging the, the no judgment yeah there's like double <laughs> double the zones there's like there's a zone and it's like of slight judgment <laughs> we go beyond that yeah. to the no judgment you zone. <laughs> you go through it and then you enter the the zone the judgment-free zone of no judging that's yeah. right <laughs> yeah. how's your uh fortnight been tess it's been okay. Oh, you got your tea going? I do. What kind of mug is that? Oh, yeah. You want to check this out here? Let me hold yeah, this up. Yeah, on your mug? Do you know these guys? Is, it, is that from Super Y? Oh, no. you're really close. So real quick for audio listeners, if you're ever curious um, what Tess and like what we're doing during the music, you, the answer <laughs> is we're doing phenomenal dance moves during the music. So you can always check us out on YouTube if you just uh, uh, search for same team, y'all, Y apostrophe A-L-L. Uh, you'll be able to find us and you'll be able to see this beautiful mug. So this is, these are actually characters from uh, PJ Mask. Are you familiar? Oh, I've, I've heard of this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like this mug a lot because whenever I drink from it, Freya is like really into it. There's <laughs> Cat Boy and Owlette and Gecko. Yeah. Is that one of her favorite shows? Um, She's kind of moved out of it, but at one time, you know how, you know, everyone, look at your 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 uh what am i looking at your chalice there uh what are we drinking out of the chalice i have a a delicious craft beer in my my goblet this evening wait a second real quick yeah um if we have any new listeners you might not realize uh that i have uh i have been known to have allergic reactions to uh certain adult brewed beverages and tess has told me i can never again drink on the cast right because right yeah but, <laughs> but now we're recording in two different two different homes across across a great space of space so is has the drinking ban been lifted no <laughs> <laughs> please refrain from drinking beer while recording this podcast oh. thank you <laughs> Okay, I will. I'll try my best. That's, that's do as all. I say and not as I do. <laughs> I actually, um, I brought up our quote of the episode earlier, but remember how I had some computer issues? I had to restart, so I'm going to bring it up again real quick. So, um, if you see me like typing into the uh, like the computer, that's not me. Like I don't know, just like 
cruising on social media instead of participating i'll just um i'll introduce the quote for our listeners we we like to start the episode with an inspirational quote let me try to guess what your quote is gonna mean oh Mm. this is a fun game i think i think it's gonna be a poem or maybe a quote from a poem maybe there's a tree in the poem (laughs) am i close (laughs) um no normally you would be normally you would be very close here give me one second okay i think this is it um that was very good um so yeah i have had a track record recently of my quotes being poems and typically involving trees of some some kind but this one isn't uh this is actually a um just playing um i think this is it here give me one second i want to make sure i got the right thing <laughs> um this is actually something i found on youtube while freya and i were reading a book and it was all about it was all about how you can change the world it was all about little little girls and it was like how all little girls can change the world which sounds like a really good thing oh here it is this is it okay and then she had a conversation she asked me a question about what does it mean to change the world? So then you know this, Tess, is that it's something that I've struggled with a long time. Uh, I believe psychologists may call it um, extreme delusions of grandeur where where I somehow deep down inside, I feel like uh, not only can I change the world for what I perceive to be better, um, that I feel like it's some weird moral obligation and has led to uh, my life becoming more stressful. Um, so let me, what'd you say? I didn't say anything. We're <laughs> like, it's so funny. It's like, it's almost like we're like an old married couple now. <laughs> Where, you know how it's like, you don't even have to say anything. And I just look at you and I like know what you're thinking already. (laughs) Anyway, it led me around to all these videos on YouTube about how you can change the world and why you should. And then I found this other one uh, that had a different perspective. you give me a thumbs up if you can hear this test just to make okay. sure that we're nowadays older. anytime you ask someone what they want to do in life their answer will almost certainly include that they want to change the world it's a very popular ambition one that is often promoted and admired by culture many prevailing leaders company ceos and famous artists endorse the idea inspirational books and videos of the like further reinforce it change the world do something big they might say be bold create impact they might go on with The people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do, said Steve Jobs. But why do we all want to change the world so badly? And is it even a good thing at all? Tied to the nature of our consciousness, all we know about life is our subjective experience of it. The world exists as much inside our head as it does outside it. It could even be argued that the world we experience only exists in our head. In either case, we feel very important inside ourselves because we are all we know. However, we simultaneously often feel very unimportant outside ourselves. We are one amongst seven billion of the same thing, everyone preoccupied in their own head, stuck on this rock amidst an endless universe we know nearly nothing about. For the most part, the life around us feels like it doesn't even notice us. Like a one-sided toxic relationship, we become confused, frustrated, or angered by this imbalance of attention. We care so much about the world, but it does not seem to care so much about us. So, we feel compelled to prove our importance and match our internal with the external to do something to the world and be able to say, there's proof I exist. That will stay there and affect things beyond me. I'm as important as I hoped I was. We might create a big company, invent a new product, innovate a new technology, execute a new political idea. But does any of this actually improve the world? 
Maybe, maybe not. Maybe sometimes, but not all of the time. Maybe sometimes for a little bit, but then it causes something else that makes it worse. Who knows? And that's the problem. When we say we want to change the world, in most cases, we think we're saying we want to improve it. But just as our motivation to change the world is subjective and ego-driven, so too is our ability to discern what the world needs. Our evaluations of the world are limited to our subjective experience and understanding of it. We can never know for sure if what we think the world needs is in fact what it truly does. Many of our changes in recent history have actually gone the other way and caused us to damage the world, overconsume the world, turn each other into commodities, become depressed, lose social touch, lose connection with life. And ironically, much of the change that the world needs now is to offset or reverse the changes we thought the world needed before. No one could ever truly know what something might lead to, what it might mean in the bigger picture, what's fundamentally and absolutely good or bad. And with each intentional attempt to change the world, we're just rolling the dice. This does not mean that we should never roll the dice, but it means that we should at least recognize that that's what we are doing, and perhaps be a bit wiser and more delicate with how often and aggressively we choose to do so. We should rarely ever roll the dice, just merely for the sake of being able to say that we did. Inevitably, we will all change the world during our lifetime. Every day we wake up and interact with the world, we open the door to potentially changing it forever. There are actions we make each day that could lead to something big, small, good, or bad, even if we don't realize it. We are agents amidst a seemingly endless string of cause and effect, and we cannot avoid the change that conducts through us. The things we do and the endeavors we choose to pursue will impact the world in ways we cannot even fathom. We do not need to make it our exclusive goal to change the world, for no matter what we choose to do in life, we will change it. Perhaps instead we should be more concerned with appreciating the world, respecting the world, finding meaning and connection in the world, navigating through it, following our passions and interests, doing our best to find peace and wonder, helping others do the same, and let the world change how it may. Perhaps we don't need to try so hard to prove to the world that we are important to it, because perhaps just being alive and a part of everything is important enough, and perhaps changing it and pretending like we know what we are doing is not so important. <laughs> I like that. So who, who was I listening to just then? Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, this is from the YouTube channel is called Pursuit of Wonder. Um, and it's from the YouTube channel Pursuit of Wonder. And the title of this clip is called Why You Can Change the World, comma, but shouldn't is what it's what it is called. Um, yeah, and I found it because I was looking for it. I was very confused about the concept of of changing the world. And this this book, I think, had very good. Um, and I don't remember. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't think I remember what the book was, um, what we were reading, but it had, I think it had a very good intentions about, hey, you can change the world, especially, you know, young girls, you can change it. And I think Freya seemed very confused about, but, but why? How? <laughs> but, why? Yeah, yeah. That, that was her big one is why, you know? Yeah. Why? Oh my gosh. I love that kids can like help us, mm -hmm. like... <laughs> figure stuff out you know because you're right change the world girls can change the world does seem like a like such a a, a great statement but then she's like but why would I want to what's so wrong with the world and it's like oh my god you're right <laughs> you're a kid and you're right already yeah it's it is interesting because I think probably most of us well I, well, I don't want to say most of us, but I think a lot of us probably have things that we wish were different about the world, right? But it's one of those things I I enjoyed, like the perspective of like, of course, you think 
what you think is the right idea you know and if i'm sitting down i was like i don't know things that i may think and approaches i take doesn't necessarily mean that's how everyone should should feel right and plus it's a big world out there <laughs> i mean i feel like i've already experienced moments in my life where i thought i was doing something helpful and then it turned out to be not helpful mm. um and maybe if I had just kind of experienced the world <laughs> instead of trying to change it, then maybe that would have been more helpful. Man, it's really making me think about stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, I mean, the point, I think it all goes back to uh, experience, right? Like how much, how much are we experiencing from day to day that isn't just um, uh, the things that we Think, or in some cases that we need to do work related or housework related you know how much of it when we're doing those things are we actually there doing it or are we wishing we're somewhere else which is probably the case but then that's all how much of that time is spent not actually being there right man what a way to start off the podcast <laughs> I, I know right <laughs> hey you ready to talk about some loves let's do it <laughs> <laughs> oh Wait, you ready to talk about some loves? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. This is the stuff that we love. We love! This is the stuff that we love. We love it so much. This is the stuff that we love so much. Yeah. <laughs> you remind me of one of those like inflatable uh, guys that you see like in front of a, a car dealership. Or, have I ever, this is so funny. Have I ever told you my like daydream about those guys? Those inflatable. No. Okay. So this is like, <laughs> but you know how those inflatable, like those inflatable arm guys, let's just call yeah. them inflatable arm guys in front of right. car dealerships. They're always in front of car dealerships, right? Trying to get humans in the door to buy cars, right? Yeah. Do you know where I'm going with this already? No, no. I've often imagined how how crazy it would be if there was a world where there were people that stood in front of car dealerships waving their arms and then those big inflatable arm guys <laughs> came to buy cars. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, right? I, and, and, it, and it's so weird, but I probably think that every time I see one of those guys, like how weird it'd be if I'm standing up there and I'm like this, and then those big guys are like, <laughs> I'm here to buy a car. Of no, course, I'm sir. gonna think of it every time I see one. <laughs> it, it is so silly, you know. And like I said, my my grasp on conventional reality is very, very. <laughs> it's very just the the very edges of my fingers. Um, the first stuff that I'm loving this fortnight is a series of books about a family, and the last name of the family is Bridgerton. Have you heard of these books, Eric? <laughs> I, I have, because um, uh, I know there was a show recently that came out. There was a show on Netflix called Bridgerton. Have you watched the show? I haven't. No, Amanda watched it. And then I know after it came out, we had a bunch of Bridgerton displays at the library. So I'm assuming other people watch it and might be interested in it. I think probably a lot of people watch the show um, and... Uh, uh, it's quite popular and now people at the library library are just like oh give me the books give me the books 
And so our friend Elizabeth uh, said, oh, I should do a Bridgerton book club where every month we discuss another book in the series. And so these books uh, and TV show, for those of you who don't know anything about it, it's about a family. There's eight children in the family and they were named in descending order. So um, like there's Anthony, then Benedict, then Colin, and then Daphne, and then Eloise and so on. Um, and uh, the father has passed away and uh, they're, they, uh, their mother is trying to get them all married off um, because she wants them to be happy, but also that's what you were expected to do during the time period in which this, uh, this is set, which is like Regency era England. Uh, and they're a wealthy family. And so that's what all of the wealthy families did in Regency era England, I guess, was they married into each other and had parties, uh, lots of parties, lots of balls, lots of dancing, lots of tea um, and lemonade. And uh, yep. And, um, and they are romances. The genre of this series is romance. And I am not a big romance reader. Um, but I have a lot of friends who love to read in the romance genre. And when our friend Elizabeth said, I'm going to do this Bridgerton book club, I said, well, I'll help you. And I will try to read these books. And if, um, and even though it's outside my kind of like genre, I normally read like fantasy sci-fi books. I'll give it a try. And Eric, I got real sucked in. I got real sucked into these Bridgertons. I'm very invested in this family. Um, I am very invested in all of their romantic pursuits and I want them all to find their soulmates. And um, I've just been really enjoying the series. I'm on the fourth one now. <laughs> I think I started like two weeks ago and I'm already on the fourth one. <laughs> How many are there? I believe there are eight books in the series. Ooh, wow, that's because, a good, that's because a nice... Stat. Yeah, there's one for every sibling. And then I believe there was like a, um, at the end, she wrote a book called Bridgerton's Happily Ever After or something like that, which is like, almost like mini sequels to each of the books. So like, if you were curious what happened to all your favorite characters, they're all included in this like epilogue book. That's um, great. Yeah, so I've been reading it. And I know like, I think there's a lot of precon preconceived notions about romance novels and people who read them. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people like to make fun of romance novels and like the covers are usually like some girl like, oh, there's like a guy with no shirt on and he's like, oh, and um, that's, that's how every day is with me and Amanda just <laughs> and I'm just she's just like draped over me constantly. And I'm like, I'm trying to I'm trying to read a book and she's just like laying on my shirts constantly opening up and yeah. It's, and I think like the, the, the preconceived notion about romance readers is like they're lonely women who uh, haven't experienced a great love. And so they just want to read about it. And I, none of that is true. And also the books are actually like, they're, they're well-written. The characters are well-developed. Like you care about the family and you want to see them succeed. And um the, a lot of the stories are really sweet and um, and uh, and, and spicy. If you like that, um, yeah. And so, ooh, ooh, yeah, I've been 
really enjoying them. And I, I don't know if it's just because it's something new or, or what I am really drawn to the family because they all, um, they all really care about each other a lot. Like they, uh, they all kind of went through, you know, like grieving for their father together and they all want to take care of their mom and they all like really, uh, enjoy each other, like hanging out with their brothers and sisters. And I just think it's really sweet. I'm an only child, so I don't have a big family. And so it's kind of like fun to read about one and they all are kind of getting along. And mm-hmm. you know, I've just been really enjoying the Bridgerton series. And that is the stuff we've been loving this past fortnight. That's excellent. I, I only know of it from Amanda watched it, um, like what she was at work overnights and uh, like between patients and stuff. And I know that at the library, there was kind of like, you can just sense when something's kind of like, oh, this is hot now. We need it. Yeah. So there was like a special thing on the on the website. And then there was special displays. Like if you like Bridgerton, you might like this. And yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad to hear that you liked it. I think Amanda said she liked the show. And the TV show is actually really good too. Like if you're the kind of person who liked Downton Abbey um, and those kind of like period costume dramas, then you would like it. But it also has kind of a neat spin in that um, it's the the cast is very multicultural and diverse, and you would think of a show about Regency wealthy families in Regency era England is gonna be just like a super white show, mm-hmm. but they do a twist actually. Um, they they they've they've cast the show with lots of people of color. And I, at first you think, oh, they're just doing like colorblind casting like Hamilton, but there's actually, they actually, I'm not going to give it away, but there's actually a reason why they've, they've cast the actors that they have. And it's sort of like, does this cool twist on the show and it's, it, and it's produced by Shonda Rhimes and she did Scandal and um, a bunch of other TV shows. So it's like a really well done well cast tv show like it's legit like people okay. should watch it <laughs> i have two things real quick okay. elizabeth's book club has she thought of calling it the bridgerton book buddies <laughs> she I doesn't will, have to do that but it's three I will b's suggest it. i will suggest yeah. it to her <laughs> or, or bridgerton book buds bridgerton book buds uh and number two i'm gonna guess the twist right now what is it sure go ahead guess it time travel you're close am i really i i I feel like the twist puts the series in the category of speculative fiction. Yes, and that's actually really cool. Yeah, and I'm I'm really into it because like I'm watching the show and I'm enjoying it. Uh, and then like around the third or fourth episode, they introduce this like, and the reason why you have all of these sexy people of color on the show is because and I was like whoa this is actually a sci-fi show I love it that's that's really cool man I was a lot closer than I expected yeah my first stuffs that I'm loving is um well when I was writing it down I thought it was a YouTube channel so I was going to add to our list of YouTube channels that we're loving um but I I thought about it and let me bring this up real quick I think it's specifically just one YouTube video because technically I've I've only seen one video (laughs) from this channel so I think this is it okay the the this the uh the video is from uh on YouTube and the the YouTuber is called White Light and the video is called uh Death Stranding a critique a commentary critique and understanding um it is essentially 
<laughs> a, a seven hour review slash walkthrough slash the most in-depth <laughs> look at any game I've ever seen in my whole life. Uh, officially, wow. officially the longest video I've ever watched on YouTube because I don't watch a lot of stuff um, and certainly, you know, not that. And um, I will just say, so for, for if anyone, a few episodes ago, I mentioned the stuff I was loving was the video game Death Stranding by Kojima Productions. Essentially, you play as Norman Reedus in the far future where he delivers packages across a ghost um, haunted American landscape. And- what? He's wearing a fetus. He yeah, you watch that, right? He is where did you see why he wears the fetus? No, I couldn't oh. I didn't understand. Yes. I, I I'm I'm planning, Eric, I'm planning maybe when I'm done with all my Bridgerton books to read the novelization of Death Stranding. I found a two volume novelization <laughs> and I kind of want to read it because I'm I'm interested. <laughs> it's so it's interesting because I just saw that. Is it just the two volumes or are there now more in the future? Oh, I didn't even think that they I thought two was a lot. <laughs> no, not man. not for this story. <laughs> I mean it is it's so interesting because I, I would because I saw that there as well and I was interested in reading it as well. But then I I don't you have to tell me what you think of it um, because I feel like for me, so much of what makes that game special, I mean, a, a lot of it is the, um, the tone and the, and the, the story and like the, that environment, like where they normalize wearing on your chest uh, a fetus, right? Like it's, it's a part of equipment and there's like a logist, there's a logical reason in game why that exists, which is really cool. But I feel like for me, what makes that game so special is just like 30 minutes of, trudging up a mountain <laughs> managing my stamina and like watching the weather um and i don't know how that would translate in a book but i mean that world is definitely like interesting enough to justify two volumes anyway um white light goes through um almost every moment and every possible like lens of analysis that i've ever seen and and i think like it's called like a seven hour review but really it it is what the title says it's more of a critique and commentary which i've realized i enjoy a lot more than than so it's easy to find reviews of things right like hey this thing this is why i think it's good and this is why i think it's bad and this um person white light certainly does that in points where he, he says he calls out the game in certain points for being too easy or these are parts that make sense but these parts don't really make sense he calls out some of the writing is not great other parts that are brilliant and he's like pretty fair i think but he really goes so deep into it that it's like and tess you know me i'm a deep thinker and this man reached levels that i could never even fathom wow. Is yeah. white light the level above Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> yeah, it goes, it goes um humanity, uh Jeff Goldblum, and then white light. Yeah. Wow. White light's like the it's actually the very top of the pyramid. Um and it was just it was an in incredible experience of listening and uh and like I think the whole thing was like I said, it was well over seven hours, and he dives into so much of it that I was like, oh, I never thought of that symbolism. And oh, yeah, that does kind of cheapen the, he, you took that agency away from the player. That's true. And oh, yeah, that would have made more sense. Or why am I still doing this? You know, when I could have been doing that. Um, but man, White Light, and he's got other, or they have other videos. It, it sounds like a man's voice, but uh, uh, they do have other videos. But the only one I watched and the only one I was interested in <laughs> was the, the seven hour. Oh, so seven hour critique of death stranding by white light on youtube is a stuff i am 
loving. Nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so my next stuff I'm loving, <laughs> this is like, this, this is weird. But so I, you know me, Eric, I don't wear a lot of pants. I like to wear dresses and yeah. skirts. When um, I go to your house, it's the no pants zone. I know that. <laughs> You actually, no pants you have a hook on the door. You're like, leave your pants here, sir. <laughs> but um, I do own a pair of jeans for um, when I have to wear jeans. Like, for instance, the library has jeans days. And it's kind of like you're expected to wear jeans on the jeans day. Like, you better get casual. All of us are getting casual. Don't be wearing your dresses on jeans day. It's jeans day. We're all getting casual. So I have jeans. And, or if I have to, like, go do a task, like, uh, my mother-in-law needs help in a garden or something, I'm not going to wear a dress for that. I'm going to put some jeans on. Well, my... I had these jeans for years. <laughs> You're laughing at me. You're like, where is this going? <laughs> I, I love this conversation already. I, I love jeans talk. This is I, great. I had these jeans for years and then they started to develop holes and you can't wear holy jeans on jeans day. Like can, that's you, the one rule. I think you can only wear holy jeans on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Lord's jeans day. That's the Lord's um, jeans day. And then on Sunday, he put on, he was done creating the cosmos. And he was like, I'm going to put on these comfy holy jeans. <laughs> the biggest pants you've ever seen. It was like a whole, whole Milky Way. <laughs> so I, um, so I needed to buy a new pair of jeans. And I'm so not like, I never shop for jeans. I'm always shopping for dresses and skirts, never for jeans. And so I go to like my favorite jeans supplier, the people that I bought my jeans from last time. And I find- Wait, halt. Who is your favorite jeans supplier? (laughs) The public wants to know, Tess. Well, we're not sponsored by Old Navy, but Mm. Old Navy is where I go for my jeans. Okay. And um, so uh, Fat Story Friday, Old Navy's sizes are like always lower than like the other stores. So you'll always go, listen, guys, fat story tip, go to Old Navy because you might be a large at this store and you're like a medium at Old Navy. It makes you feel better about yourself. So (laughs) it's Old Navy. And I discovered that the trend in jeans right now is high waist high-waisted jeans or Levi's calls them rib cage jeans but it's like jeans that come up and they come up past your belly and really uh, high a past your belly jeans. button too a past yeah, your belly yeah button? like they 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 come up real high on you that's like the trend now in jeans and I was like I don't know how I feel about this but I'm like I guess I'll try on some jeans and Eric these jeans <laughs> these jeans I love. I'm loving. I'm loving. So they make me look like my mom, circa 1983. Like they are really wild nostalgia vibes. Like I, I feel like the last time these jeans were in style was like the 1980s, and my mom definitely had had a pair. And the thing about them is they I don't think they're meant for people who have bellies to wear. I think you're 
I think you're meant to be very thin and wear the high-waisted jeans and I am not very thin. Um, and they accentuate the belly. And Eric, I'm kind of into it. I'm okay. like, I'm like, normally I'm always like, let me try to hide my body as much as possible. Like all the dresses I have, like have like really big skirts so that you can't like see what shape I am. <laughs> Is she a square? Of, is she a triangle? Is there a, a dodecahedron going on down there? There was a child at the library who was convinced I had a tail because <laughs> I had a lot of space under there for a nice big raccoon tail. That's what they thought I had, like Mario. Um, I can see that, actually. Yeah. So I'm, as a person who's like very used to like hiding the parts of your body that you don't like, which are like most of the parts, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, for most people. I, I was like, I, I decided to embrace it. I was like, mm. not only am I going to wear these belly jeans, I'm going to like tuck in my shirt so mm -hmm. everyone can see it. And I was just walking around the library in my mom jeans oh. and I was feeling myself. I was feeling really good about myself. <laughs> and That's I, now I look forward to jeans day. Whereas I used to, I used to be like, oh, it's jeans day. I got to put on my pants. Ugh. And now I'm like, oh yes, I get to wear my power jeans. <laughs> Jin day son, Jin day son. So, um, <laughs> my high waisted mom jeans are stuff that I am loving. I'm so happy this is a trend. <laughs> so I I don't stay up to date on on jean related <laughs> trends. So I really appreciate you letting me know because I didn't know. Um, <laughs> The, speaking of showing off the belly, I was laying in the grass the other day, as you do. And I was, <laughs> as one does, yeah. As one does. And I was just laying under this tree and I was looking up at the sky and the wind was blowing and went, whoosh, and it blew my shirt up. Yeah. Like up, you know, full on belly out. It was a Marilyn Monroe situation going on. I bet on it there. felt really refreshing. Well, my, at first, my first thought was like, Eric, grab that shirt and pull it down. There could be kids walking by. And then I was like, you know what? This feels really good. I'm just gonna let it. I'm just gonna let it blow around. All the, all the hair on my belly blowing around like majestic little blades of grass in the wind, and and it felt really good, you know. Yeah, I think because I I love these jeans not only because I I don't know I think it's the nostalgia factor. Like they remind me of my mom, and I love my mom. But I think it's also like embracing my body for mm -hmm. like kind of the first time in a really long time like <laughs> I wore them and Brett was like are those new jeans and I was like yeah yeah what do you and think and he's like he? he was like I think like he was like telling me he didn't now a lot of people like are like oh he shouldn't have said this but he was he honestly was like trying to inform me like I had something mm -hmm. in my teeth he was like they kind of make you look fat and I was like N I I am kind of fat <laughs> Here's a secret. Hey, it's I got a. I got Hey, get over here, Brad. I got a secret for you. Did he? Did he mean? Did he say they make you look kind of fat? P H A T, baby, <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, I think he was like concerned for me. Like, did you know? And I was like, Oh, I know. And oh. I'm showing it off. Everybody. <laughs> that is awesome. That's really good. Thanks, thanks, uh, man. <laughs> um. On the, well, I don't want to say the other, well, okay. 
my my second thing I'm loving is I got a uh, rock cl- wall climbing gym, a rock gym climbing oh, membership. Okay. A, okay. A, a, a climbing gym membership. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Um, I joined uh, Sport Rock in Sterling, Virginia, and uh, oh. there's just big walls. This is a real quick one. It's real easy. There's big walls you can climb and... Uh, uh, so the really tall walls, you need a buddy to hold the rope, you know, teamwork. Uh-huh. And there's shorter walls. Have we talked about bouldering? You know, do you know? Okay. So bouldering is essentially just shorter walls. Like they're still like, they're probably like 10 foot still, but you don't need any rope. You just climb, just just your hands and your feet, sister. And then the, the floor is padded. I know, I know. Look at your face because you don't think it's that, you look at it, you're like, that's not that high. And then you kind of get up there and you're like, oh, S. <laughs> this is kind of scary. They they ain't no rope, son. Um, but the floor is kind of padded and they tell you you're supposed to fall. So if anyone's watching on YouTube, I'm using my fingers, you fall. And then you kind of like buckle your knees and you go, Gunk, and then you fall back on your butt. Like that. Like that's a safe way to fall. Um, but anyway, I've been going there in the mornings and uh, I'm not, you know, well, I don't want to say I'm not good at climbing, but I'm clearly, you know, started w- within the fortnight. <laughs> you know and uh, there's all these different colored routes up the wall like all the rocks are one color and you're supposed to use them and i can't even the pink which is the easiest which i'm sure they didn't pick pink because <laughs> look at your face look at your face i'm sure i'm sure has no connection to what society has deemed as a girl's color but even pink i can't really do and and i have to use all of the steps even just to get close. But anyway, all that to say is uh, everyone there has been super friendly and I'm kind of in like a weird kind of like, like a vulnerable position. Like I'm always like, it's hard to like, Ooh, who is anyone watching the new guy climb on the wall? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I would, I would feel really self-conscious. Yeah. And I like, I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm figuring it out. And like, there are some people there that, that are just like, they, they look like they belong at, as extras in a Marvel movie. Like they're, they are doing the thing that I think I look like I'm doing, but they're actually doing it for real, like upside yeah. down and climbing. And they look like they're in phenomenal shape. And they all got their earbuds in, probably listen to really cool people music. And probably, yeah. You know? But anyway, uh, all that aside, once I get over that, like, you know, it's a really cool place. Everyone's been super supportive. And uh, you get a nice little workout while doing some fun stuff. So uh, I think this is this is really great for you because I remember us having a conversation one time about how there should be an adult playground. Mm-hmm. And he, Cause you were like, you know, when we're kids, everyone's like, Oh, physical fitness is really important. You need to go run around outside. And then as you become an adult, it's like, pick this up and put it down and that and like, or walk on this treadmill and not go anywhere. And like, I remember you talking about how, if there was a playground, for adults, we would all get exercise because it would be so fun and we'd yeah. be moving around. I think you might've cracked the code here, I, man. I got I got pretty darn close. Now, I think there are some like movement-based gyms like out there in the world where they're kind of like parkour slash jumping around slash, and this isn't that, it's a rock climbing wall, but I mean, it, it's pretty darn close. It's, a, it's the same kind of idea. Um, Eric, are you gonna get ripped? Well, here's the deal. Maybe I do have a plan and not to be like, I know we were just talking about like fat story a Friday and all that, like love your body. But I mean, it's one of those things that like, to me, um, have I ever told you about my parkour coach? Have I ever told you no. about this? 
how have I not mentioned my parkour coach? Okay. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't recall this. Okay. I'm not going to remember his name and I'm really sorry about this. So anyway, <laughs> before I became a dad, for a brief amount of time, I had a parkour coach. Okay. Where did you do parkour? Okay. Well, so this is the story. So. Okay. So there is a podcast that I very much enjoyed that might still be current or it might not be current anymore called the Human Animal Podcast. And it was about just like movement-based exercises and the idea of like, uh, figure out your why do you want to lose weight? Is it just because you want to be hot? Or is it because in my case now, maybe losing weight so I can climb more? Because every pound I lose is one less pound I need to climb up the wall, right? Mm -hmm. Or is it so you can be uh, uh, active with your kiddos or whatnot? And anyway, I was gelling with everything this guy said. And I can't remember his last name, but his first name was Matt. Anyway, I sent him a message and I was like, hey, Matt, uh, thanks for your, and he read my pot, he read my email on his podcast. Wow. Yeah. I, I had a question about heart rate management while running and he, he seemed like a cool dude. So I sent him an email and I was like, Hey man, I'm trying to get into parkour, but there's no, <laughs> there's no gym around me. I'm down in, you know, I'm down in Southern Maryland and not a lot of places. And he was like, Oh, well, here's some tips. And he was like, you know, he's a cool dude. Cause he was like, and this is before I was in, uh, before I found my, my, uh, my, my love for trees, you know, I just had regular love for trees, not supernatural love for trees. And, <laughs> and the first thing he said, he goes, well, what do the trees look like in your area? You got to start climbing those trees, bro. And then he said real slightly, he was like, by the way, I'm also a parkour coach. If you like me to be my, my, this is pre COVID my virtual parkour coach. And so for a short amount of time, we would go on uh, Zoom meetings, essentially, and I would roll around in my living room and he would like critique my rolling. And, um, and he would give me, and he wrote this exercise lesson plan, not designed to get the heart rate up, but to get your body used to like safe rolling. And I would go to the park because I didn't even get to parkour. I was just still on rolling. Like, so if you went to the park, you just see like this- park parkour you were just at park <laughs> tess <laughs> tess i thought my i thought my holy jeans joke was really good that was very yeah i didn't get to parkour i just got to park anyway i was rolling around in the in the woods you know as you do and down the down the things <laughs> i was working on safely rolling and all that and then anyway i found out i was going to become a dad and i was like so um, because Matt wasn't doing it for free, you know, he right, deserves right, to get right, paid. Yeah. And then I was looking at my life and like, what, what no. expenses can I drop? And I mean, Hey, as much as I love the idea of parkour, my virtual parkour coach was really close to the top of that list of things I should drop. And, and that's why I don't have a parkour coach anymore. <laughs> well, um, Eric, I, fully support you like maybe <laughs> one day we'll do skinny story fridays maybe yeah. skinny story saturdays you know yeah. maybe we'll we'll start we'll start a new tradition for you <laughs> maybe i don't know i mean i don't i don't know it's just all i know is if i'm climbing because my heart's like bursting when i'm climbing that wall you know and uh who knows what's gonna happen you know was that two yeah that was all of yeah. us Tell yep. me, I've noticed sometimes when I play this, it's hard to hear on the thing. You tell me if you hear this.
cake challenge. <laughs> I think I think I need a different instrument. I don't think it picks up very well. Oh man, the kalimba, not the instrument for you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't know if you saw just now Zoom because uh, we're we're recording this in Zoom and Zoom yeah. popped up. Are you playing music right now? Is what oh. it said. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why it wanted to know. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but it recognized my noises as music. So that's something. Oh, hey, you're a musician, man. Uh, we have come to the cake challenge segment of the podcast where uh, Tess and I take turns issuing a cake challenge where the other one has to read, watch, or otherwise consume something of the other one's choice. And if we don't, I guess we don't get to eat. I think it used to be if we did do it, we got to eat cake. And now we've really relaxed the rules and we've decided um, just eat cake if you want to. Yeah. Right? yeah. I do have a surprise for you, Tess. <gasps> okay. So... Um, Real quick, uh, I, I, you know how we're always wondering, is anyone even listening to this? I know at least one person who's listening. Um, Somebody my, watched this movie with us? Well, well, wait, wait. So a friend, a friend of mine at work <laughs> listened to our podcast, Miss Rachel, and she's very kind. She said she really likes it. And she says she thinks she would get along with Tess, Aww. which is you. And she's very sweet. And she sent me a message about a previous cake challenge. So not this one. Oh, I th okay. I think, I think she's so sweet. So she actually told me that she was at the dentist and uh, uh, listened to our podcast while she was at the dentist, which I didn't realize you could do because I thought you would have to listen to like instructions, like open your mouth or stick out your tongue. Yeah. I don't know. At, well, I, I went to a dentist one time where they would have a TV and they'd put big headphones on you and you could just watch the TV. Yeah. How do you know when you're supposed to spit and stick your tongue uh, Maybe out? it's just instinctual. I don't know. You're just, you're just like, oh, it's time to spit. <laughs> I don't anyway. know. I never watched TV while I did. I just I just sat there and took it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, Rachel says she listened to us during her dentist trip and it helped oh, her calm wow. down. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I know, right? Yay, anyway. Rachel. I'm glad we could help you get through your dentist ordeal. Rachel sent me a message about a previous cake challenge a okay. few episodes ago. And I think she listened to the most recent one that we recorded, the one okay. before this. And I think she's going back and listening oh, with her husband. Oh, wow. She liked it so much. She went back for seconds. And, nice. and recommended it to a friend. So, wow. Ra thanks, Rachel. Rachel, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I know. I told, I, so I told her you would be into this. And I was like, yeah, this is incredible. Thank you. Um, anyway, she sent me a message. So this technically isn't an email because this is a, well, it was a work message using Microsoft Teams. But then I. <laughs> But then I asked, I know, I know. But then I asked, is it okay if I read it on the cast? Because, I mean, by the way, if any of our listeners ever want to email us, that email is sameteamyall at gmail.com. And speaking of that email, uh, we haven't really gotten any in a while, so I decided to use this one. Okay. Uh, this references the book, um, I think I issued this challenge, The Stuff of Stars. Remember mm -hmm. this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She said, <clears throat> so I just read The Stuff of Stars and wanted to share my thoughts on it so I can eat my cake. First, I initially thought it was a book I'd read and loved as a child, so I went into it with that mindset. Come to find out, it was published in 1918, or 19, uh, 2018, so it definitely wasn't what I thought it was, but that's okay. It's all okay, but only because I'm going to go find that book, which I think I still have in my home library, so my brain can stop thinking about what it was I actually read as a kid. Second thing, I like how this, how the... Um, I like how the pictures in the book 
go from the deep, deep dark, they go from being the Big Bang to being a baby in the womb and the stuff in our, the stuff of stars. Now that's deep. <laughs> Thanks for presenting this cake challenge. Wow. Well, Rachel, if you thought that was deep, um, I really hope that you watch the, <sighs> the film, The Tree of Life, which um, Eric, I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to say about this movie. I know. So I'm going to go ahead up front and issue your cake challenge so we can just get it over with. Good Does idea. That sound good? Okay. Yeah, let me get my pen. Okay. Okay. I, is it okay if I issue another movie? <laughs> you know what? Lately, I've been really into movies. And, okay, and, good. <laughs> and I've been really into, I don't want to call it like, well, I've been into movies like off the, I was going to say the beaten path, off the superhero path. You know? Okay. All right. Well, this movie is a little heroic. It's um, about a hero called the Peanut Butter Falcon. Okay. And that is the title of the movie, the Peanut Butter Falcon. And, and we'll just go in blind. I'm liking this like go in blind thing. I was going to give you like a synopsis, but just go in blind. I think, I think <laughs> well, I think that's going to be really good going forward if we just issue it and say go in blind. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so for listeners, if you're following along, if you would like to play the game with us, uh, the movie I have to watch is called The Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, and what can I find it on? Do you know? Um. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Um, I know that our library has a DVD of it. So your library probably has a DVD of it also. Um, okay. So I think that you should be able to find the peanut butter falcon. So perfect. All right. So but, thing, oh, oh, I was, gonna, I was just going to say, so now let's discuss The Tree of Life, directed yes. and written by Terrence Malick. Um, which I can tell already, I could tell already, Eric, that you really liked this movie because you know who directed it and also who starred in it, which is very rare for you. You're mm -hmm. always like, it has that guy in it. I should know who he is, but I don't know. Um, and I also like Terrence Malick, from what I understand, isn't like a super prolific director um it's not like a ridley scott or something like that um so i feel like you've probably done a lot of research about this movie so i'm really stoked to hear to have this conversation with you because i just watched the tree of life this past weekend and i'm i'm going to attempt to to summarize it for our listeners by the way spoilers for the tree of life so yeah good, we're good thinking yeah if, if you if you, if you are, wanted to play along just pause the podcast here go watch the movie come back and we're gonna spoil it <laughs> yeah i don't think it's on anything so you have to find it at your local library um yeah i i that's how i found it i found it on dv dvd at our library or you can rent it if you have amazon prime you can mm. also rent it for a few bucks um so <sighs> this movie is about a man played by Sean Penn. And he, it is the anniversary of his brother's death. And he is spending the day thinking about his life and everything that has led up to it to this point. And by everything, I mean, that includes the creation of the universe, which is like a good, 20 to 30 minute segment of the film which took me really off guard um and um 
mainly he's thinking about his parents, his mother and his father who had very different parenting styles. His mother was very kind and affectionate and his father was very hard on him. And, um, and it's a very, I thought a very same team y'all movie because the, particularly the father character, <laughs> you're like bursting inside. <laughs> Let me try to get this out and then you can start telling me <laughs> what you're my, my eyebrows are like going <laughs> off the chart. I'm like three eyebrows up. <laughs> so the, um, the father character is played by Brad Pitt and it's, it's this, this is the same team y'all aspect of the movie that really like stuck out to me is that throughout the movie, this character, the father uh, is, he's, he's chasing the story that we all tell, right? He's chasing this, like, if you work really hard, um, if you have the right job and the right connections and you raise your kids the right way and you have the right house and the right car, then um, you're going to be successful. And it turns out that he, he ends up, he has this business that he's building. It's very vague, honestly, because the story's told from the son's point of view and the son just he doesn't really care what his dad does. He doesn't really like his dad very much because his dad is very hard on him. Um, and it comes, come to find out the, the dad is like building this business and then it kind of falls apart and he has to take another job and he has to move away. And he realizes, oh, everything I needed was here the whole time. My family was the most important thing. And I basically screwed it up because I've, I've been really hard on these boys and they're actually really great boys. And I've been... I've had this like strained relationship with my wife and she's really like a great mom. And, um, and Jack, that's Sean Penn's character. He has this very troubling childhood in a lot of ways. And it's interesting because from the outside, it looks like he has everything that he needs. He has two parents, which is really luxurious and in our time. Um, he's got a two parent household. They've got a car and a house and he's got, you know, the uh, clothes that are popular for the era and he's got toys and friends to play with. Um, and yet he's suffering, like deeply suffering. Um, and I will say this is a very intense movie and I did find it upsetting. Um, I had to take a lot of breaks. Like while I was watching it, I would have to pause it and kind of walk away for a little while and then come back and sit with it for a little while longer and then take a break. <laughs> so I was doing a lot of laundry while I was watching the movie because that was like a good like, oh, I got to change the laundry. <laughs> I need to take a break from this movie. Um, yeah, it's and I uh, I learned some life lessons like upon reflecting upon this movie I have some life lessons. We'll go into those next because I really want to hear your thoughts on this movie, Eric. <laughs> what What I would like to hear are what are those moments that you had to take a break from, Tess? Oh, like for instance, because you're you're absolutely right. It, it does get very, but I think I think it gets very intense in kind of a unpleasurable way. Like some of the interactions with 
with uh, Brad Pitt and his sons, right? Especially yeah. like one scene is where he's he's trying to teach him like how to be tough, and he's like hitting him in the in the face and slapping him, and and then there's another scene where he gets upset because. <laughs> one of the kids tells him to stop talking or to be quiet and he like loses yeah. it and that's really hard for me too but and then he's I holding on to his wife his wife is like she's like I don't even know how to react and she's like kind of trying she, to like she pushes and- on his face and goes how how would you like it how would you like it and then but then there's a lot like I think it's really intense on the other side where it's just intensely like beautiful too and I think and I read this I don't know if it's 100% true but I think it is is that because it has a very distinct um, filming style where you feel like the cameras, you feel like you just have a guy with a camera following kids around in the sixties, right? Like it feels so real. And there's a part near the, well, I was going to say near the beginning of the, the movie, but it's probably a good 40 minutes. It's after the creation of the universe and the earth and all that. And the dinosaurs um, it's when Jack is a toddler and his his next youngest brother is a baby and there's a scene where the mom's playing with the baby and jack as a toddler is getting jealous and he takes mm-hmm. a toy and throws it and she goes she goes oh and then he looks like he's gonna throw a toy and she goes no like that feels like the most off i don't know how they captured that moment like that's the most authentic moment of like a don't do it like this is a toddler like how they teach and there's another moment too where the mom is like playing or she's outside and there's a butterfly flying around her and it lands on her head, like, or on her hand. Like, I read, like, they were filming and a butterfly went by and they were like, go, go ahead and see if it'll light. And they c- captured that moment. They caught that butterfly just landing on her hand and her kind of like touching the wing as like the cat's going by. Like, it is like, I don't I know how this movie exists. Like, it is so special. You know? I got the feeling when I was watching it and those scenes would pop up, I'd be like, was this guy just filming? Was he just like always filming? Because like that, for instance, that scene with the kids, like yeah. I was like, is that her kid? Like is that actress, yeah. Jessica Chastain, is that her child? Because you're right, it is a very authentic. And I was like, he must've just been filming, especially because kids, it's very difficult, I think, to direct children. Yeah. Um, Particularly very young children. Like this child is like maybe three or four or something like that in that scene or two or three, maybe. Probably um, closer to two. Yeah. And so I'm in my mind, I was like, I'm going to guess that wasn't even scripted. Like, I'm yeah. going to guess like they were like, just go sit with the go, kids for a while. Play, we're going to play with the kid. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to film this. And um, some of the scenes that I thought were really upsetting actually mm. had to do with Jack. Jack's really like, he's he's starting to develop like hormones and he doesn't really you know and so like there's a scene where he breaks into a woman's house and he pulls out her like underwear he like steals her, her like, nighty her, yeah. her night dress and he like lays it on the bed and then he feels so guilty that he takes it and he throws it in a river and like tries to like destroy the evidence or or the scene where he he shoots his brother in mm. the finger that scene was really upsetting because there's a scene earlier that kind of sets up this where he pretends like he's going to electrocute his brother and his brother says, I trust you. He goes, I trust you. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're not going to do that. And then later they're playing with a BB gun and he's like, stick your finger right here and shoots his brother's finger. And (laughs) and I don't know anything about BB guns. I've never used them, but I would have thought that would have like broken the skin right but then like later i don't i didn't see a band-aid or anything on him i mean not to say yeah. not not to take away from it like i'm sure it hurt 
like the dickens as they say but i mean that's still like an intense scene yeah and those scenes i was watching them and i was feeling very uncomfortable and i thought you know like when i was a kid i probably had some really uncomfortable moments too where i was kind of like you know what is my body what am i feeling you know um i but i didn't i'm not a boy and i feel like i feel like some of those experiences he were he was having were very boy experiences and then he was also also I didn't have a brother and I feel like he was having a lot of sibling interactions that I didn't really I never experienced them so they were they were hard for me to understand like the jealousy between the siblings but also the love that's there there's Um, a lot of like roughhousing between them like they're really rough and there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of this movies like them just running around outside one of them's usually shirtless they're just like throwing things and and there's like a whole scene where they're like uh like once they smashed a window of a shed or something, you know, yeah. and you're like, what is going? Oh, yeah. and there's another scene where, where Brad Pitt is working onto the car and Jack walks up and, and you're like, is he gonna, is he gonna knock the Jack yeah. out from under the car and crush his dad? And you see him kind of looking around and oh, it is, but then ultimately- It's just, an intense, intense movie. Ju- yeah. Just to bring the the conversation, not to a close, but to the, the end of that movie, is they eventually move, right? They have to say goodbye to their home. And then that's the end of Young Jack's story. And then we, then we saw the birth of the universe. Are we, okay, let's talk about the ending of this movie. Please. Because I texted you after the movie and I, because you had requested, you specifically requested, please text me after you've watched the movie. And so I texted you and I believe I said something like, wow, that was intense. Um, And you said something to the effect of like, yeah, I've thought about this movie a lot. I've read a lot about this movie. And, uh, and you were like, like some of the more kind of mysterious scenes, I feel like I figured them out. And I, I think I replied, yeah, there was a lot of, what was that? What did that mean? Specifically the end of the movie. <laughs> I'll give you what my interpretation was. Okay, so at That's the all end you can of, do, right? That's all you at can the do. end of the movie, Jack, well, it's kind of like going on through the movie. You see Jack sort of traversing a landscape. And it's, it's out of context with the rest of the film because usually when you see Jack, he's like in an office building, he's um, he's in a cityscape and you get the sense that that's what's really happening. And then there's these scenes where he's traversing a landscape um, which ends at, the, at some sort of coast where there's an ocean and a beach and there are various figures on the beach. And then you start to notice that the figures on the beach are characters from the movie like for instance his mom is there and his brothers are there but his brothers are children like as he remembered them and his father is Brad Pitt like as he remembered him and and so I thought to myself is he dead um and I don't think he's dead I think he's imagining what a peaceful afterlife might look like and I think it's what he wants for his family. And then I remembered, cause I kind of forgot at the end of the, at the beginning of the movie, we were, we were memorializing his brother. Like this whole thing takes place 
his his I think it's his middle brother. He has two brothers. I think his like second brother is the one who passed away. And we're not given a lot of information about what happened to him. It sounds like perhaps he was in the armed forces and um, maybe was killed during uh, some sort of combat. Um, but it's never really like because because then the movie kind of oh, excuse me <laughs> we kind of like takes off from there and kind of goes into this like intellectual journey of like Jack trying to figure out where he belongs in the universe and then I remembered oh right this is all all of this was the impetus for all of this was the brother had passed away and so I think it was him imagining like a peaceful afterlife for his brother and his mother where they could be together and I don't know if his mother is dead yet but like he there's even like there's like a moment there's a lot of disembodied whispers in this movie I, um, I told you to make sure you I think you always have the subtitles but there's a lot of like like the movie starts with like brother yeah. father and so then we hear like the mother's whisper during those scenes and she's like I give my son to you um and there's a lot of um I I couldn't quite figure out if God exists in the universe of this movie or not because I feel like God is almost like a a character in a sense in the movie because the mom has a relationship with God and the father has like a different kind of relationship with God um uh almost like a defiant relationship with God like don't listen to what your mom says about how God is love and God is you know what really you need to be tough you you need to you can't be um, too can't be too nice in this world sense right and then it shows you this creation of the universe and I and it's it sort of kind of follows like what you might get taught in the science class and yet it's so beautiful that it's almost like is there some sort of creative force that like, there's these like images of nebula and like, um, and some of it is like actual footage of, yeah, he probably went to a desert, went to a, a, a water source and filmed stuff. And then some of it is clearly like animated, um, like, uh, you know, dinosaurs. Like, go, <laughs> yeah, like it will go into like the cellular level. Oh, and there's that dinosaur scene, this, do you remember the specific scene where there's Eric, a dinosaur? Tess, of course I remember the dinosaur scene, but please explain it. Please there's explain it. There's a dinosaur struggling on the shore of like a riverbank, and then a predatory dinosaur comes out of the woods, and you think to yourself, oh no, this is the end for the dinosaur who is struggling. And the predatory dinosaur like approaches the distressed dinosaur and actually puts its foot on its head like I'm going to crush you now and then it decides not to do that and it wanders off and I was thinking to myself what was that what did that mean because I thought oh well maybe it was struggling and like sometimes if an if an animal is hurt then the then another animal be like oh I don't want a hurt animal I want like a fresh a fresh animal and so they'll like go off I was like or is it supposed to be saying something about like consciousness and like is this the like the birth of of like uh I don't know (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) so yeah there's a lot going on in this movie please continue Eric with what you were going to say about the ending of the film or or really anything in between (laughs) I I think 
Um, so I watched this movie twice um, since I issued the cake challenge. I've seen it a couple of times oh, beforehand. Wow. And wow, Eric. Wow. <laughs> you really did it to yourself. Okay, I go did, ahead. I did it. So, so first of all, I have to tell you, my, so I watched this movie uh, a couple months ago with my mom and it was not her jam because it's it's definitely you have to you kind of have to like peel back the layers to kind of puzzle it out and uh when i told my mom that that this was the cake challenge for you uh she said oh tess is gonna be so mad at you because because she she sees it as a not a good movie a bad movie and then i was like well tess likes david lynch stuff and a lot of that's very you got to kind of puzzle it out you know right. and i I was I was gonna say in my introduction to this movie, I feel like some people make movies for entertainment purposes. Mm. Like I'm gonna entertain people with my movie, and then I think some people make movies for art purposes. Like I have a I have something within me that I need to put out into the world, and this is my medium. And I feel like David Lynch makes those movies. Yes. And I think Terrence Malick yeah. makes those movies. Uh, at least it's definitely a piece of art. Yeah. And like like any piece of art you might see in a museum, you might be like, that's not my jam. Or you might be like, wow, this really speaks to me. Um, and I can tell it spoke to you. <laughs> well, it, it spoke to, yeah, it spoke to me because I think you're, you're, you're right. Like, I think at its core, what it is is, the movie starts with the movie starts with the parents getting the news that their son died and so it's, it's very sad the oh oh so this is where i was going i watched it twice once by myself and then the second time i watched it with freya and i know look at you and uh so freya didn't sit through the whole thing but she made it like an hour and a half through wow. it um, and wow, she freya. she she was more into it than i expected her to be because it's definitely a grown-up movie and not that they're dropping F-bombs, but I mean, it's really heady and it's not, but I think the beginning part, she was into it because she, she saw like a family. And so we had a cut, like, why is the mom sad? I was like, well, cause her son's dead, you know? And I was like, that I would be that sad if you died, you know? And then she was like, why is that guy sad? I was like, well, that's cause his, his brother died. And then it doesn't take you long until you're at the creation of the universe and and Freya right away was like, is this the universe? I was like, yeah, this is the beginning oh, of it. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Because it's very kind of abstract, right? And and so I, then after that, I kind of talked her through it because it was like, so now the earth is being formed and now there's jellyfish and now there's, you know what I mean? And now there's plants and now there's, they're crawling up and, and now there's dinosaurs. And I think that dinosaur, I think you're right. I think that's like the first act of... Uh, either mercy or conscience or or in this movie the the language of the movie is uh because at the very beginning they talk right. about grace nature versus grace right nature seeks to please itself and nature doesn't mind being hurt uh and it doesn't get offended and yeah so i think that's exactly it and uh and throughout the movie they have this metaphor of water representing grace right and then the dry desert being uh sean penn's character older jack lost like his path right and he kind of followed this path of nature instead of um instead of uh, uh, Grace, like his mother. And so that led Frey and I having a conversation about metaphor. So I don't know how much of that worked, but I was like, so that desert, does it look really dry or wet? And she was like, it looks really dry. I was like, yeah, well, so Grace <laughs> is represented by water in this movie. <laughs> and, and it's actually really kind of cool because once you notice that there's a scene where, because you know how um, Brad Pitt is like obsessed with his, his GD yard dude just give your yard a break and so he's constantly there's a scene where he's spraying his kiddos down with water 
but most of the time he's spraying his water like all over his yard right you know and there's a part two that i think is so smart where like near the beginning where the mom's grieving and like i think a friend is trying to console her and he's like we're good now all right that's enough go on home thank you go on home and but he's got the hose but the hose is kinked in his head yeah Yeah. it is so it's just a smart it's just a really smart movie because you know i've watched it multiple times and so then anyway um what it is is the beginning of this movie is my son died my whole world is over my world is my world is over the mom is like walking there's a lot in the beginning of this movie of like them her and brad pitt being in the room but not communicating so like there's a scene where where he's inside and you can see him through the window and then you can see her reflection so it seems as if they're in the right space the same space but she's actually just kind of like meandering around outside because she she's lost and there's a part where she's walking down the center of the road and he's trying to follow her like i guess trying to console her or something and she says like i just want to i just want to die i want to die so i can be with her and so it's like whole whole world is done and she's it's very she's very religious this family and i would say even brad pitt is too um but he has a different relationship with god and she goes why did you why did you do this god why did you do this to me and then i think the movie is god's answer going well to me (laughs) your son's story started here at the beginning of time, you know? And like, so I'm going to, and I think this movie is, is Sean Penn imagining or, or, or God telling Sean Penn the story of Sean's life, or at least this, this moment. And it's like, so this seems like everything to you, but to me, I created the cosmos, the whole story happens. And then this is what I think at the end, and this is how the universe ends. And this is, this is your story in this cosmic time frame, and then I think that scene at the end is either um, them, them all meeting together, like after the end of the universe, or all dying at separate times. I don't think I don't think Sean Penn was dead at the end, like in his actual time. He'll probably die later in old age, or you know, everyone will be dead when the universe ends. And then I think because there's a before that scene, before he gets to the water, he walks through that that threshold the doorway. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was him trying to like go back to like I, I guess accepting the way of grace or something because he well, often and he sees himself yeah he follows That's, himself yeah 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 I don't know yeah I know I know it's said I do think um God does show up two or three times in the movie in Isn't human that, form that, oh oh in human form yeah go what, ahead. what were you gonna well I think that there light. was that like that light that kind of like flaming light i was like is that god so that that's actually based on an art piece i don't remember the name of the artist but it's a art piece designed it's supposed to look like the sun a cosmic nebula or god depending on what you believe which is really cool um freya thought it was the sun which i think is a perfectly legitimate but there's a a female figure in the in the movie um because right before jack is born you see him like as a as a young child in the water do you remember those scenes like it's him and a bunch of kids in the water and there's a woman there and she shows jack this little book do you remember yeah. any of it yeah remember that. yeah and i think that's supposed to be him before he was born like his his soul or whatnot oh, when they're all dressed in white thank you and then they go in the water yeah and anyway that woman i think that's supposed to be the book of like and i haven't read this anywhere i just assume like the book of his little life like here's your little life you know like, and then you when you get when you get on earth yeah yeah and i'm gonna do a thing with my hand that this god character does a lot like she does this she goes she goes like this she goes like kind of like like this she does it multiple times so she's there there's a part where there's a sheet or a curtain over jack's face and you see her pushing his and then you're like is that the mom but it's not the mom i think it's this god character and then she's also there at the end 
guiding him through. So he walks through the threshold, but then he follows him and his his younger self out of this door of I don't know what it is a, a house or something, and she's there guiding him out. You know, there so, was, yeah, there was like a woman. I think she's dressed in brown in that. Yeah, yeah, and she kind of does like this. It, it's was, hard to like. <laughs> like who, I was like, who is that? Is that his wife? Yeah. Because, like, at the beginning of the movie when you first see Sean Penn, like it looks like he has a wife who he's not really communicating with. Um, and so I thought maybe that was her, but okay, that's an interesting interpretation. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong. The thing that's so interesting about this movie, aside from just how it's made up and all of its shots, very rarely do any of the characters ever speak directly to each other. Like there's almost like no dialogue to one another in the entire movie. Like a lot of it is whispers, you know, probably to God, like in a form of prayer or something or, or people talking to themselves. Um, but like, he doesn't talk to his wife and, and, and I don't think Brad Pitt and his wife, aside from, aside from that fight, share a single word with each other. You know, even the moments when like she's grieving her son, she's walking away from him. And then he has that moment where he sits down and he goes, you remember, this is another one where he goes, he goes once he goes, he goes, he just, he just punched himself right in the face, right there for no reason. And he goes, it was after I criticized the way he turned the page. And then he goes, he goes, that poor boy. Well, and I that think- That poor boy. I think mm. it realizes that something interesting about his character is that he very clearly wishes he was an artist. Yes. He's a very talented musician. And he even says, like, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a famous musician. And um, but then I realized, like, that's not how you get ahead in life, you yeah. know, basically. And um, I feel like he takes a lot of his frustration with himself and his perceived failure out on his sons. And I think that was like him having a very brief moment of like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That yeah. was a crappy thing for me to do. <laughs> he, he has a moment like near the end of the movie where, like you said, he, he Brad Pitt finds like this path towards grace. And he has this really heart to heart with the son and like a genuine moment of like love and, and respect. But then th literally the next scene, he's giving him crap about the way he's putting the luggage in the trunk. You know, you're going to sit there like a, a, a bump on a log, like immediately right after, you know? And I, I think it's like, it's it's easy for us to like, give him crap for it but i mean th throughout the whole movie jack is saying like why do i do these things why did i shoot my brother with a bb you know and he says something like i feel my mother father i feel you wrestling in me all the time you know and it's like you can know something's the right thing to do or something you should do but that doesn't mean you're gonna do it you know and i don't know it's just it is it is a special that's a special movie Tess. so I, I'm going to move right yeah. from this into the life lessons that I learned. Good call. Did you learn a life lesson this week? I did. That's great. Let's talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, if, if you're interested, I told you this already, there is a director's cut. Um, I don't think it's four hours long, but it, it's so this movie is, I think, like two hours and 15 minutes long. The actual theatrical version. Like that, yeah. Yeah. The other one, I think, is definitely more than three, maybe close to four. And, yeah. and I don't think it's better than the theatrical one. It's It certainly has the feeling of a lot of 
extra beautiful shots that they were like, oh, we got to use these, you know? So like, there's like a whole scene in the director's cut involving like a storm that hits the house, which once again, like, I think they happen to be filming and there was a storm and they were like, get those cameras out boys, you know? And there's like a whole scene involving like a neighbor and uh, anyway, and, and there's a lot of, you know, Sean Penn's really good at just kind of like wandering around. Like there's a lot of that in the direct, like just kind of like walk through cities. and. Oh, yeah. My first lesson has to do with Sean Penn just okay. wandering around. Go okay. for it. I was very struck by his performance in this movie. And it's interesting because he isn't really the main character of the movie. Like he is Jack is the main character of the movie, but through the most, most of the scenes you are seeing Jack is a young boy. And so that actor is the actor that you see most. And honestly, I feel like most of the scenes feature Brad Pitt um, and, uh, and his character. And, but Sean Penn, man, that guy was going through some stuff. And I was just thinking about, you know, that saying, um, like, be kind for everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. And I don't know who said, who originated this phrase. I feel like it's been uh, assigned to various historical figures. Um, so I don't know who came up with this idea, but I've always like thought about that, you know, like, oh, that's right. Like everything that I'm going through, like, like, like say a, a customer comes in the library and they're upset because they have to sign up for an email address and they don't know how to use the computer and they just want to apply for the greeter job at Walmart and they don't understand why they have to do an application online and it takes them three hours when it would take me 10 minutes and they're frustrated and upset and they're taking it out on me and I'm like hey man it's not my fault that you don't know how to use the computer and then I'll think to myself oh I actually feel really bad for that person because when they become a greeter at Walmart say they do get this job and I hope that they do that they're not going to need to use the computer so why why are they making them go through all of this like it, it's frustrating for them it's frustrating for me and and, you know, I think all of those things and like, yeah, they're going through a battle, but Sean Penn is going through a crisis. He is having a full on crisis and he went to work that day Yeah, and he's having conversations with people and he's like on the elevator and he's like, like touching some grass and like, and I'm like, at no point, and I don't know, we don't see the whole day, but at no point does anyone say like, hey man, are you okay? Like, hey man, you seem kind of off today. Is everything all right? There's, there's a part in the movie, like in early on where he's like sitting in like a room and a guy's like talking to him. And you know, the guy's just talking about nothing. It's just nothing. And he's just talking about like, yeah, you got to work your way out. And, and Sean's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's like, oblivious the other guy yeah you know and i'm like he woke up that morning and his wife is looking at him like i don't even want to deal with you right now like like it's like she knows she knows that this is going to be a difficult day and i'm like it's it, and 
maybe they have difficult days a lot. Like maybe their relationship isn't that stable. I don't know. Cause I don't get to see that. All I see is this one day in his life. And like, he lights himself a little candle to like memorialize his brother. And like, they're not talking. Like you said, there's not a whole lot of like dialogue. Like she's out in her garden. She's like looking down like, Oh, is he still here? You know? Um, and then he goes to work and he, mm-hmm. he works some sort of like high powered architect job. You don't know. I don't really know. It's very vague, but it's like he's climbed the ladder and he, you know, he did it, you know, according to his dad. And he's not satisfied. He's having a full on crisis at work and nobody seems to care. And I thought to myself, like that saying of like, oh, be kind because someone's fighting a battle that you don't know about. I'm like, someone could be literally having the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe let's just try to be a little perceptive, I guess. And so now I've just been kind of like rethinking a lot of interactions that I have with people because it's so hard to get out of your own head. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like really hard for me because I'm just constantly overanalyzing things and overthinking and like, you could say something to me and I will like think about it for like the next 20 minutes and how it affects me. And I'm not really thinking about like, why did they say that? Are they, you know what I mean? And so I've just been thinking a lot about poor distressed Sean Penn. Um, and that was one of the life lessons that I learned is like, not, don't just be kind because people might be fighting a battle, be kind because they might be literally having a crisis and like, they might need you. <laughs> like, like how would his day been different if maybe his, his wife had said like, Hey honey, I know it's the anniversary of your brother's death today. And I know that you're, why don't, maybe you should just stay home today, take a sick day and we'll sit on the couch together and have some popcorn and like, I don't, you know what I mean? Or like maybe when he got to work, someone was like, hey man, you don't, you look like, are you tired? Like what's going on? Are you all right? Do you want to talk? And like, maybe he would have been able to, I don't know, chat with someone instead of thinking about how his, his life is like this much of the universe's life. And like, does any of this matter? And, and he has this like conversation with his dad on the phone where he's like, I feel like he's trying to connect with his dad. It's not really happening. And then you kind of get this feeling like, oh, did nothing get better after everything we saw? Like, we think that maybe it got better from there because Brad Pitt has this like epiphany, but maybe it didn't. Maybe it's always been this really strained relationship and he's not talking to his mom on the phone. So is that another loss that he suffered? We don't know. And where's the other brother? Like, why doesn't, you know, like, could he at least call his other brother and be like, hey, we both lost a brother. Can we at least, like, he's not having any human connection throughout this movie. And I just felt so bad for his poor little scrunched up face throughout the whole, like, the, that actor, Sean Penn, that's what he's doing, man. He um, did a, a stellar, right? Like, a lot of it's just him kind of, like, walking around and stumbling and kind of, like, looking and looking, like, brooding. and But he... And he, and, he and the kills camera, it. Yeah. And the camera angles are like so wild. Like there's one where he like walks into the camera. Like he, he like kind of bumps into it and like kind of comes off to the side. And I was like, I was like, what? I was like, this set must've been crazy. Like Terrence Malick is just like, just walk towards the camera. I'm going to bump into That's fine. Just, do, I'll just walk. <laughs> like, I, w- I was watching an interview with the, the young kid who plays young Jack in the movie and he's a bit older now and he was talking about like he was like yeah i show up and like 
there was he was like there was like no script for me <laughs> you know it's like just do some things and he'll be like okay now follow that dog <laughs> you know cl- grab that rope and swing around for a little bit and see what happens but i mean it, it works really well like there are scenes where like it's just kids like like there's one thing where one of the brothers takes a rock and runs with it and then falls over and you're just like oh they're just and when, there's one part where he grabs the thing and he goes i found a dinosaur bone he goes did you he goes no <laughs> just like it's so like i don't know like it's i don't know really. it's saying i was like oh you know like kids yeah are, yeah, yeah. And there, wait, remember that scene where the mom is like floating? Mm-hmm. Remember that? So, so there, I think what it is, is I think a lot of this is memory and then a lot of it's like imaginary, right? Like his mother was like so ethereal, right? It's like she's floating and there's a part well, two. And then I started thinking like, you know, we and I were just talking about this earlier about how sometimes you have a memory of something that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then I started wondering how much of this movie even happened? Yeah. Like- I think- <laughs> I think for sure everything before he was born is imaginary. So there's a scene where you see um, Brad Pitt and his wife like meeting and they're like on this blanket. And then there's a scene that I think is absolutely beautiful, but I think it's his imagination is his um, imagination where Brad Pitt and his wife are like in this room and there's like a light, almost like a lighthouse. Like it gets dark and then bright. Do you remember? And they're just kind of like moving and kind of like posing. And it's like, I feel like that's just like his, his imagination of what what that was like you know and and then there's it's so gorgeous too because there's like parts where where like the camera just focus on like like a curtain and the breeze for like 10 seconds you know or like uh uh there's a part where like there's just like light reflected off of um uh, the water for like his baptism which is so interesting because like you were talking last week about viewing things in your life as Mm -hmm. if they were works of art so like giving yourself that kind of reverential distance to like appreciate things um and be able to react more clearly to them this whole like movie made me think about that because there were like scenes like the curtain in the breeze and i'm like that's something that you see all the time and here it's presented to you as art or like the trees there's all these scenes of like the sunlight like beaming through leaves and the trees are kind of moving and and i was like that's that's always happening like you go outside it's happening they go he goes back to the the seaweed like billowing in the water like multiple times in the movie and it's just like so I don't know, man. The other, uh, the other lesson yeah. that, I, that I walked away. I, I want to keep talking about this movie. So keep, <laughs> give me lessons, please. <laughs> please. So the dad um, and his philosophy about like how you need to live your life and you need to be tough and you need to build your business and uh, don't listen to what your mom says. And um, uh I, I found it so interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot lately because uh, you and I have a mutual friend who um, is uh, gender non-conforming. They identify as non-binary and they use they, them pronouns. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about this a lot because I've noticed that this is kind of hard for some other people to grasp, you know, like they're, th- but I know them as this name and now they want to be called a different name. And I don't understand why this is a thing. And what do you, what does that mean? Non-bind, like you're, you're this or you're that you're not, and there's no other option. And I think to myself, um, but why? 
and and then they'll say oh well that's just the way that it is it's been this way the whole time that i've been here it was like that before that and then but why oh well society okay all right so at some point (laughs) some group of people decided what was best for everybody else and let's be honest they probably decided that in their own best interests right like whatever was going on at the time, it served them for society to be like this and for you to do this in order to be successful, you have to do X. And um, they could have easily, they, whoever they are, this mysterious they could have easily decided something else and we would be living a completely different life. And perhaps like someone identifying as as non-binary would be totally normal. In fact, we'd all, we'd all, identify that way and there would be no gender roles like it could it it could have very easily gone some other way had someone else been in power at the time when this was decided that this was the way that we need to be and I was thinking that like watching this Brad Pitt character because you know like I said he's tremendously talented he plays the organ and like and and he chose to like turn his back on that and and do this like these weird business deals that take him away from his family um and he's doing it because he thinks that's what he's supposed to do that's how you get ahead in life um and who decided that (laughs) you know what i mean and like had he taken a few moments to think about it like i'm living my life based on the story that other people have told Mm -hmm. what does it mean to me is this what I want? And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really like formulating this idea. I, I like I like where this is going, Tess. Like, I'm enjoying the ride. It's like this idea of like, oh, society as they decided what was best for all of us. Like whoever that was, like what we've been doing all this time, we've been doing it because it works and we shouldn't change it. Um, and I'm here to say, it could have gone another way. And, and maybe years and years and years from now, if, if the universe hasn't ended and we're not all on the shore, <laughs> things might be totally different. And they might be telling stories about our society as like this primitive, um, like archaic, like, can you believe they used to they used to label themselves male and female and and the females were meant to stay at home and cook and the They're... males were meant to do manual labor and then someone in that society is going to be like what that's crazy and then and then uh, up to the table walks like this huge burly woman with this massive beard and she goes yeah and i heard women couldn't have beards either and then they all laugh and go oh, <laughs> that's ridiculous <laughs> there's a very interesting book called the power it's by naomi alderman i feel like you would really like this book eric Mm -hmm. it's a it's a think piece it'll it'll keep you up at night um but it's basically like a speculation of what the world would would the world be any different if women were the ones with the powers like if women so basically the story is that women somehow evolve the ability to shoot electricity out of their palms. And this upsets the complete world order because m- most of our most of our world oh, order cultures, is patriarchal. Yeah. And that is probably based on the fact that men are 
physically strong testosterone rich bodies are physically stronger than estrogen rich bodies and what if it wasn't like that anymore what if the shoe was on the other foot what if women were the ones with the power and so it's like a speculation of like how would the world be different would it be different you know what would be the fallout basically it's a very interesting book and it, as the biggest feminist you know, it sounds like a book that I might be interested in. I feel like you would be really interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you would find it very, and I would. I feel like we would have a very interesting conversation mm-hmm. about it because it, it was it was a book that like kept me up at night. I was like, I can't, I can't stop thinking about this book. Um, but yeah, so I guess to sum up, basically, like when you're making a decision in your life. And you're like, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't pursue this because that's very counter what everyone else is doing. Just take a moment and think like, why? Like who decided that? And does it even, is it relevant anymore? Like, cause it might not be relevant to you. And maybe you pursue that anyway. Maybe you choose not to, maybe you choose that. Like you don't want to deal with it. Like, cause it's, I think it's hard, you know, like our friend coming out like this and saying, I want you to speak to me in a different way. It's, that's a lot. It's a lot to, to put yourself out there and to be that person who's saying like, the world is changing and I'm evidence of it. And you're going to have to deal with it. Uh, because if you don't, it's discrimination, y'all will get fired. But <laughs> let's, let's look at it this way, that I am a, a white straight male and like I, you know, a little overweight and I was really nervous about going to the rock climbing wall. Now imagine what our friend must be feeling like, right? Like I was a little nervous about just that little situation. I can't imagine. I remember after we we um, we discussed our friend, I, I sent them a message and I was like, everything going okay? <laughs> you know, like, how's everything going over there? And they got back to me right away and was had some really sweet things to say. But, um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine, you know? Yeah, Joe, just because society says one thing or another, who cares? And, and I would... Who, who are they to get to decide how you live your life and how you, you know feel comfortable in the world and i would say it doesn't have to be because the big decisions are scary right like 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 the brad brad pitt's decision for example of like to pursue this engineering type of job over musician that's a big decision right that could affect his whole life but i'm saying you could look at the things that that you listeners or us that that we're doing based on what we're told we should do even the tiny things that those changes um aren't that big a deal. A perfect example is not every guy I know is comfortable wearing the color pink for whatever reason, right? That's one tiny change that maybe it's a fine color and you could wear it. Or um, like you said, uh, um, a different uh, things that uh, women might wear that traditionally they're told they're not supposed to wear or their hairstyle, right? Uh, so any of those things, like if you catch yourself like, oh, I can't do that because th- my glasses, for instance, Tess knows this, or women's glasses. I got them off the women's side of the of, of the live of the optometrist place uh, because I like the way they look. And the the guy, I tell you this, the guy there tried to talk me out of them because he goes, you know, those are, you know, those are those are women's glasses, like all low tones, so I don't get embarrassed. And I was like, I know, I know. I blew his mind. I told you this. I blew. We blew his mind because Amanda got men's glasses. I'm using quotations, you know. So I believe you said. Do they work on men's eyes? 
I did. But it, it backfired because I meant to be real snarky. Like, do they work on men's eyes? Then I'm getting them. But he thought I was really confused and just looked at me and goes, yes, yeah. they do. <laughs> I want to, I know. So, so Tess, I thought our, our episode would go less than an hour. I was wrong because it was a tree of life, right? I mean, it was tree of life. So can I add, may I add one more thing about the tree of life before we, we put, put, a, put the end to the tree of life conversation? Please do. Okay, so th- this movie spoke to me on multiple levels, but one thing that really opened my eyes to, and some of these levels were things I'm already believing in, right? You know, um, But one thing that it really opened my eyes to something I wasn't aware of was Brad Pitt's, relationship with his sons because typically I think in media or something you you would see a parent or a father who doesn't have the best relationship as being physically distant right and it's not that he isn't because there's that scene where he's like son fetch me my lighter and then he's like you forget something and he like gives Jack this hug right and he 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 wants a kiss on his cheek so he's not physically distant but the issue is that he's forcing the physicality of their relationship on him, right? And and like, you know, hey, we're all humans, but I mean, have I ever just scooped Frey up and gave her a bunch of kisses? Sure, you know, of course I have, but it definitely had me thinking like, maybe she doesn't want any right now. Or maybe she's like, just put me down, dad. I think a lot of times she's climbing on me. So it's actually the other way around, but like, it definitely gave me a new perspective of, uh, of like how that relationship goes, right? Like she's my kiddo. I've known her since before she could, do anything so of course i have like this parental uh feeling that oh i can scoop her up because that's how i've always done it but now she's like almost four if she doesn't want kisses she could tell me she doesn't want kisses or or like there's a way that you could still approach that without being so because that seems so good because he forces this hug on jack and like jack's get like he's trying to get up and he's kind of like he's really he forces him back down onto his shoulder and then he goes away and, and i think J- young jack's walking away and brad pitt's like uh you love your father? And he's like, yes, sir. You know, he says, yeah, which is because the previous scene, like he just got on his case about not saying sir. And it's, it's so powerful. And it just like, like, it's not that he's distant. It's just the way he's trying to go. He's demanding affection as opposed to deserving affection. You know, one of he, the most heartbreaking scenes in that mm-hmm. movie for me is actually quite a joyful scene in the movie, but it just breaks my heart is when they find out their dad's gone on a business trip i know and they just break into just like this is the best thing at like the mom and all three of the boys are jumping on the bed and they're running around the house and someone's brought a frog in the house and she's like no don't touch me the frog. and, and jack is <laughs> jack's slamming the screen door over and over because his dad's always on his case about the screen door like it is it's an impeccable movie like it is because they're like, where's dad? And she's like, he's on vacation. And you see it on his face like, what? What? You know? God. And then the dad comes back and he's like, he's like, what's that, son? Yeah, that's Chinese. You just Your dad went all the way to China. It's like, it's about you, right? It's about what, what, what's happening today. It's about you. It's about you. You know? Oh, man. And there's like another scene. I know we're going to stop this. But there's a scene there around the dinner table. <laughs> And the wife's trying to talk to the dad. One of the few times she tries to talk to him throughout the movie. And she's like, oh, Jack did a science project or something. Mm-hmm. And he cuts her off. He goes, what's that, hun? Hear this. Because he's got like classical music playing. And he gets up and starts like waving his arms around because he's in this, you know, make-believe world where he's fascinating about the, 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 the life he wished he had. And like, he's not even there. And you see it on his wife's face. Like, you're not even, you're not even here, brother. 
and the kids are like oh dad's doing it again it's about dad again oh man man he makes... says something like i don't remember the he's toskini to toskitsi to he's like i don't know the composer's name but toskitsi or something he's like he recorded a piece 68 times you know what he said could have been better you know it's like ah oh, this guy you know and I, but i don't think do i think he's evil no do i think he's cruel i mean probably a little tough but i mean i don't think he like physically well, aside from like that boxing match, I don't think he was like physically beating anyone. As far as we can tell, he didn't have a drinking problem. You know what I mean? As far as we can tell, he had a job. So, I mean, he definitely wasn't like a terrible human. It was just, and if anything, the things he was trying to do were, that was his way of trying to help his kids. So it's just the way he's going about it, but man, you know? Yeah, it's like we were talking about earlier, like from the outside, they have everything yeah. they need. But on the inside, they're suffering. There's a scene, too, where he's telling his kid, and this is when Jack is like a toddler. He's like, over there, that's a Spencer's yard. Stay on this side of the line. I was like, this kid doesn't know. Get off his case, man. See this line? Like, you put those runners in on the yard? Yeah. Don't look like it. You know, it's like, dude, I get it. I get it. But, okay. Uh, like, even the yard is not good enough for him. Like, there's this, that, that scene where he's like, why doesn't the grass grow here? And the kid's like, it's under the tree grass doesn't grow under the tree and he's like well it does in their yard why <laughs> but that's that's such a smart scene because it's literally a grass is greener situation right you know there's a, another moment that freya really talked to me about this is very cute because i was telling her what's the name of this movie and i put it up and she read the the title the tree of life i said okay let's watch it and so we're watching the universe and there's this beautiful i don't know what the name of the piece is but it's absolutely st I, I i i'll tell you right now i cry multiple times throughout this movie most of it because i'm just so like moved like that that universe scene and the earth and this music it's like it makes you think right like you're like what is this and freya turns to me she goes freya goes is that the tree singing <laughs> wow. yeah like the tree of life because she's like wait because the books the movie's called tree of life so she's looking for the tree yeah, and she, she goes is that the tree singing and i was like i don't know do you think it is she goes yeah i think this is about a singing tree you know so good man okay um how would you oh so listeners we've made it to the end of the podcast where tess and i always like to end each and every one of our episodes by taking a moment thinking about something that we are thankful for and something that we love about ourselves we affectionately call this moment our positivity pause or as the cool kids call it the pause pause what is something <laughs> that you're thankful for Tess um I didn't write anything down I've got like all of this like these are all my notes about everything I want to say about this movie <laughs> and then right down here something you're grateful for blank something you like about yourself blank I didn't get to that I was too busy thinking about the tree of life um um off the cuff, something that I'm thankful for. Uh, you and I have often discussed how we live in a golden age of medical technology. Um, and um, recently my beloved husband, Brett, was diagnosed with diabetes, which is very upsetting um, mm -hmm. uh, for multiple reasons. However, um, I feel like <laughs> in the past that might be like a death sentence like and there's nothing we can do about it and that's probably going to be what kills you and um uh i feel like now when you go to the doctor and they tell you that there there are steps that you can follow and medications that you can take to reverse that condition or at least 
manage it to a point where it's not like affecting your daily life. And we've kind of started on this journey together. Um, I don't know, maybe I'll be on skinny Saturdays. Who knows, Eric, you don't know, but, (laughs) um, but you know, he's, he's already starting to see there are numbers that you have to track when Mm -hmm. you have diabetes, you have to track the the level of glucose in your blood and um, uh, high numbers are bad really low numbers are bad too. You want it like in a nice medium number and he had really high numbers and they're starting to go down. And I'm it's really grateful for that. I think he's, he's, I can see that he's like working on it. He's making a lot of progress and um, I'm really uh, grateful for uh, the fact that we don't live like 200 years ago when like every, a lot of people were probably walking around with diabetes and had no idea and they couldn't yeah. do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. can do something about it that's incredible has he been able to get his numbers down just through lifestyle changes um or so, is he on medication as well so unfortunately is this personal is this a hipaa thing i probably shouldn't be asking i'm sorry okay like uh, unfortunately they were like oh it's so bad you have to like inject yourself mm. with insulin and so really we were, wow yeah we've been um we've been doing that um, but, uh, everyone's really hopeful that, um, like, uh, we've already, like I said, we've already seen a lot of progress just in the past few weeks. And so we're all really hopeful that we'll get to a point where that won't be necessary anymore. Wow. So that's great. Yeah. Um, my, my mom has diabetes. She says diabetes my entire life. I think she got it. Like when my sister was born and, um, yeah, that can happen just yeah. Like- diabetes yeah yeah exactly and um yeah she's gone through periods where she's needed injections and then times where she doesn't you know and it, it kind of ebbs and flows but yeah you're right like thankfully now there are a lot of ways to catch it most importantly and then also ways to be able to um to treat it as well to be able to 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 get those levels back to a to a good level so yeah. man brett <laughs> he's gonna be okay yeah 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 what's something you're grateful for uh, so I wrote down something here. Um, I did write some stuff down, but um, I'm just going to say that I'm grateful for the the people, thoughts, processes, and events that led to Terrence Malick's Tree of Life. And because really, when you think about it, like it's a very artsy, heady movie, right? And like, I have a hard time wrapping my, because I didn't watch it in theaters, but I have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that not only was it in theaters, <laughs> it's starring Brad Pitt. Like this in another universe, this should have been starring no one, no one, and no one, no, you know what I mean? Like people we don't even know. Like it's such a like a heady movie. And like it almost makes me think of too, like Death Stranding. Like the fact that Death Stranding exists and it's so like thought provoking and moody and frankly, like not even fun. You know what I mean? But it's like triple A, like is 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 a miracle. Same thing with this. Like this is a high budget fancy smancy art film you know and it is gorgeous another thing that i um i really appreciate about it is uh well what i appreciate about uh, you and the cake challenge specifically is i would have never watched this thing i don't think i would ever have watched this movie and not necessarily because i like i hate trees and life but like i just I it probably just would have never crossed my radar. I think there was a time in my life where I was really into like artsy movies and like thinking I was really like sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of I went in a different direction and I was like, I like real low stakes, wholesome movies, or I like movies with big 
action sequences. I was like, movies for me became like, let me escape from reality. Um, and so any movie that was about reality, which this movie is in a lot of ways, um, were of not of not of interest to me. Like, and I I know you told me to go in blind, but I did like happen to read like when I went to put the movie on hold, I did see like a little synopsis, and it was something about like Terrence Malick explores the human experience through a a family in 1950s Waco, Texas, or whatever, and I was like, oh god. I know that's sound good. I mean, that's not a great description at all. I mean, it's true, (laughs) but yeah, like I guess fundamentally that's what this movie is about, but I probably would have never watched it if it wasn't for this cake challenge. So thank you, Eric. (laughs) Had you, had you heard of it before? I've heard of it. Yeah. So so I don't even know how I heard of it. And then I was thinking like, do I know who Terrence Malick is? And so I looked him up and he did do a movie called The New World that I remember watching when I was younger and being very fascinated by because it's a story about Pocahontas and John Smith. Um, but it's sort of, I think, like a half fantasy, half like reality based, like a uh, story of her life and their romance. Um, and uh, I remember liking it. Now I kind of want to go back and be like, did I know what I was watching as <laughs> You see the water represented grace the whole time. The um, So ironically, I think, so this isn't a movie that normally I would have watched either. Like I, I kind of heard of it and I wasn't even too sure. So I actually found it because I was Goog- I was um, searching our catalog for movies about, about, tree. tr- about trees. That's exactly right. And ironically, it's not really about a tree. I mean, it's a metaphorical tree and there is a tree. Like they plant a tree together. Um, and she has that great line. She goes, uh, you'll be a man grown before that tree is tall. You know, it's so, so good. And there's a kid, they're, they're climbing in a tree, but that's not the same tree. That's a different tree. Um, but anyway, I find it, it's not about a tree, but man, it's a, it's a good movie. Anyway, listeners, we encourage you to take a moment to say something that you are thankful for right now. perfect we like that about you too i i like that yeah yeah uh do you want me to go first since you don't have yeah, a thing you go first. um i actually wrote down here um that i love um that i am so and sometimes you can get in your own head but i love that i am so introspective like i'm very interested in why did i do that and why am i look at you looking at me what are you what are you thinking I was gonna say something similar. Were you? Yeah, yeah. Because I do like that I question like why did I behave that way? Or why do I believe that? Right. Like I don't think and even since I was a young kiddo, you know, um, I, I would question like, well, why do we do that? Well, this is why. Is that is is that really why? And um I find that I think um I was reading the book The Power of Now. I think I mentioned this before by Eckerd Tolley. And uh, one of the things he says that's always kind of spoke to me is he says, at any one time, you should be as interested in what's happening inside of you as what is happening outside of you. And I always think that's really interesting because then you kind of have a feeling because what's happening inside of you is governing what you're doing outside of you, right? Like, and what you see outside of you. So anyway, thing I love about myself, I'm like super, like super duper introspective, y'all. What's something you love about yourself, Tess? Um, uh, again, I didn't prepare anything, but just trying to think of something. Um, 
when uh, we were talking about our <laughs> our friend Kit and um, kind of like basically like the dominoes that are falling um not to be dramatic but just like you know how people are reacting and stuff like that I think I like about myself that I'm a person who is just like okay like that sounds good you know (laughs) like do you remember that scene in Twin Peaks where um Dale meets his friend Dennis after many many years Dennis says actually it's Denise and and Dale just says, okay, <laughs> Denise. Anyways, Denise, we need to talk about this case. And like, just kind of like rolls with it. And I've been talking to a lot of people about like, well, why do you think this is difficult for, you know, and it's, you know, it's a generational thing and, you know, whatever. And I, I think I just like, I kind of, my mind just kind of jumps to like, well, that's a kindness, um, regardless of how you feel about it. Like you should treat people with consideration and like, it's just considerate to use the terminology that they, because it's not affecting me really like changing one word to another word, you know, like uh, let, let's think about them and what they're going through, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not a very selfish person. Um, and I like that about myself, I guess. So That's like, a- I'm just kind of my first thing was like, okay you know (laughs) and really like you said what is the the real deal is people if if you're having a hard time accepting someone's um um uh new name or what they're going through uh, ask yourself is it because you're making moralistic judgments about the situation because you're right like in the great scheme of things all it really affects me is uh now i i use uh their actual name and I use the pronouns that they prefer. That's all that matters. It's a, it's a matter of respect too, because um, I actually had a conversation with Freya about this recently, not specifically about Kit, but there's a children's book called Jack, not Jackie. Are you familiar with this? I haven't I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, and essentially a young girl has a, a little sister named Jackie. And then as they grow up, uh, Jackie says, actually, I'm a boy. And so I'm, I want to be called Jack. So Freya and I had a conversation about, have I talked to this cast about this already? No, yeah, we had a conversation about it because she's, for listeners, she's only four. But I mean, I tend to, as a parent, I'm like, if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. Um, and I explained to her, I said, well, Jackie, deep down, even though she is a girl and she has a vagina, because Freya knows what those are, you know, and penises and vaginas. I said, even though she has a vagina, deep down inside they're a boy, you know, deep down inside. I said, how do you feel, Fred? How do you feel? She goes, I'm a girl. I said, do you feel like a girl inside? Yeah, I do. Okay, that's good. I said, that's why they want to be called Jack and not Jackie, because that's their name. And then I used example, because Amanda, and this is kind of the same, not really the same, but it's a matter of respect. Amanda's name is Amanda. <laughs> I've only known her as Amanda, and her name is Amanda. Amanda's family will call her Mandy. I have never known her as a Mandy. She is not a Mandy. <laughs> she's not a Mandy. And she's repeatedly told them, my name is Amanda. It is not Mandy. And it's a slightly different situation, but it is a matter of respect of like Amanda saying, well, my name's actually Amanda. And then by making the choice of saying, well, actually, I think I know what your name is. And it's the name I've chosen for you is that same level of uh, potential disrespect. I know that was a tangent, um, but anyway, just my two cents about that, you know, and my conversation with Freya. <laughs> Listeners, take a moment <laughs> and think about something that you love about yourself right now. 
phenomenal. listeners thank you so much for spending time with us uh if you've enjoyed this podcast please consider giving us a rating or review uh on whatever you're listening to us on or um anywhere in the universe if you uh we ask that you just follow your heart um but if you can't think of a number the number five is amazing so as far as stars or whatnot you can't think of a shape stars Stars (laughs) we really like (laughs) we like stars and fives if you are uh so inclined to do so uh if you'd like to send us an email that email is same team y'all at gmail.com yeah if you like to send us a cake challenge any comments on the cake challenge anything that you're loving any life lessons you've learned we would love to be able to read that on the podcast and hear from you and also our uh our master of twitterness uh, Tess, man's our Twitter handle, uh, which is at same team, y'all. You can go there. You can see pages from Eric's diary. You can see photos of him climbing mountains. It's real exciting over there. Go you, on over there. You can also see Tess setting up for uh, virtual story time. Oh yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and you can also see your amazing bird feeders oh thank you yeah they yeah. look phenomenal i had to take them down today because it was so blustery outside mm, and they mm. were blowing in the wind and i was worried mm. about my birds hopefully oh. they'll be okay <laughs> oh bother um well friends thank you so much for listening we very much appreciate each and every one of you um i swore this would be under an hour but now i can say it's going to be under two hours i think <laughs> thank you so much for listening and please always remember. We love you. But not in a creepy way.